Hi, it's Jamie, progressive number one, number two employee. Leave a message at the... Hey, Jamie, it's me, Jamie. This is your daily pep talk. I know it's been rough going ever since people found out about your acapella group, Mad Harmony, but you will bounce back. I mean, you're the guy always helping people find coverage options with the Name Your Price tool. It should be you giving me the pep talk. Now get out there, hit that high note, and take Mad Harmony all the way to nationals this year! Sorry, this is pitchy. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome back. We have two Monday Nighters last night. We're going to go over both of those. Oh yeah, I'm Matt Williamson. You've reached the Locked On NFL podcast once again. Belly up to the bar. Let's have a little chat about what we saw last night. There's two other games I want to go over. Um, but first, I think we need to mention the RG3 situation. Um, this is unfortunate. There's not a lot of good things going on for the short term for the Browns. They have, We got power rankings on tomorrow. And the Browns began the season as 32. Despite the Rams' best efforts, I think I'll keep the Browns at 32. But you get the idea. They're, they're, these are bottom-feeding teams. Um, if you haven't heard, RG3, he took a shot as a runner going out of bounds uh, with a severe shoulder injury. He is now on IR. Uh, McCown is going to take over as the starter. The key here for me is McCown's probably the better football player. You know, I mean, Griffin to me was throw deeper run, you know, and I think that was a lot of what was going on there in Cleveland. But we had a long conversation a couple weeks ago about, you know, the direction of the Browns, the state of the Browns, and the reality is now this RG3 experiment has a much less chance of, of succeeding. And therefore, that means, and it probably was the case all along, but it, it probably now means that the franchise quarterback for the Browns is not currently on the roster. You know, that if Hugh Jackson were to get everything he possibly could have out of RG3 and revive his career, this franchise could have hit a, a grand slam with nobody on base. But that sounds less and less likely to happen. Again, it was a long shot and a, worth, a risk worth taking, but I don't think it's going to come about. So, uh, the first game last night started competitively. Steelers over Redskins started competitively. Didn't end competitive at all. And, and if it wasn't for, again, the Rams, I'm not going to say anything good about the Rams for, for a long time. Um, I, I would have said, boy, the Redskins were the least inspired uh, showing of week one. It wasn't pretty at all for them for the majority of this game. And, you know, the Steelers controlled the action. I've said a couple times that a few things, you know, just a big overview picture of the Redskins. Love their GM, love what he's doing, but they have two flaws, you know, big flaws right now. And they're, you know, huge flaws. They don't run the ball well. They don't defend the run well. Well, we saw both those things in spades last night. And let's say that is your makeup of your team. Well, Kirk Cousins can't be your quarterback then. I mean, I'm sorry. I, I think you guys know my feelings on him. I think the Redskins know their feelings on him. That Hey, we're not willing to give you a long-term deal. We want to see more. He played poorly last night. He played very poorly. His accuracy was bad. At the end of the day, his numbers weren't horrible. But he did not play well, I thought, at all. I thought some bad decisions. The interception of Shazir was a terrible throw. Um, he's hard to trust, especially without run defense in a running game. So, 
they need to either stick with Cousins and get a new center and a star running back and you know take that direction, which I think originally they wanted to do last year. Or they got to find a different quarterback and still wouldn't hurt to pick up a, you know, help the running game in some way. Same with the defense. The defense got mauled at the line of scrimmage in the run game. D'Angelo Williams was a, a superstar in this game. 171 total yards from D'Angelo Williams. The Steelers' offensive line was dominant in the run game. Uh, a lot of movement from their offensive line, pulling guards, misdirection, counters. They're getting to be really, really good at that. I can't even imagine what Le'Veon Bell would have done to that defense. Big Ben's a master craftsman. You know, I thought he was at the top of his game. He wasn't all that accurate, but the way he handled and called things at the line of scrimmage and made adjustments, he's super comfortable, never really was under duress. Um, you knew it was trouble when the skins were... Settling for field goals early in this game, you just can't do that against this style style defense. It's not a not, just not a bad just a bad recipe. And, and then the Steelers get the you know it's still early in the game and the game's still close. Fourth and one, everyone thinks it's, Steelers go for it and, and Ben hits a B on a on a touchdown in the corner of the end zone and, and it's like wow you know this guy's uncoverable. And as I'm sure you noticed, you know. Uh, Norman lined up as the left corner, you know, if you're looking at it through the defensive eyes. So the Steelers just took Antonio Brown and made him the left receiver, if you're looking at it through the offense's eyes, and kept on the opposite side of the field. Personally, I think Brown would have done fine against Norman. I have no concerns about that. Norman's a great player, but Brown's an uncoverable monster right now. And Breedland had a really, really hard day. Uh, I kind of felt for him after a while. Then he was missing tackles, and he's a good corner. He's better than what he looked on a national stage last night. I haven't seen the coach's tape, obviously, but you would think if A.B.'s going to line up on the left side over Breedland that he would get a lot of help, and I didn't see that, so I think that might have been a fundamental flaw. You know, at least get... You know, Breland bumping him at the line of scrimmage with a safety over the top. I more or less doubling him. I didn't see a lot of that, but who knows? Um, Shazier really stood out for the Steelers. He had he had the interception. He had a great breakup on Jordan Reed in, in the the end zone. It was a crucial play at that point in the game. Uh, he left in the game with a knee injury. By all reports, it's not really uh, all that serious. And if it was the game was more competitive or more important, he maybe he would have played in it or stayed in, um, that's good because he has have a long injury history. I think he's got a chance to be a great player. Um, speaking of Jordan Reed, he was huge early on. First driver to you, what, three or four catches? Uh, he was the guy that I thought would just be somebody that the Steelers could not account for. And they didn't talk much about it, but I think he got dinged up and really disappeared after that. And I'd like to find out more about that today. Uh, his counterpoint, or his, you know, his contemporary, or his his teammate here, and Deshaun Jackson, I thought he looked phenomenal. I, I think he's going to have a big time season. Uh, I think he's moving really well. He's going to break the bank in free agency next year. But again, Cousins didn't play all that well. Uh, what other notes do I got on this one? A lot of penalties and sloppy play by the Redskins. <laughs> Gruden in the booth. You could just see it, feel him gritting his teeth for his brother. Like, man, they're just giving this thing away. Not a very disciplined effort. Um, when the Steelers got the lead, they didn't blitz much in this game, which I thought was interesting. And I guess they felt like they didn't need to. And they, they, didn't, they figured that Cousins would make his share of mistakes without being pressured with a lot of bodies and coverage. And that came to fruition. That was a good game plan. And when they got the, the lead, 
they really backed off and gave up all the underneath stuff they could take. And still, Cousins didn't capitalize on it all that well. Didn't show a lot of patience. Um, even with the game reachable, and Steelers would come up and tackle well. Kept everything in front of them. So, you know, these are teams going very different directions. You know, you guys know my Pittsburgh ties. So I did more work on the Redskins this week than I have in the past. And the more I dug into them, the more I disliked them for the reasons I talked about. And again, and this will reflect in the power rankings, I really think the more and more I think about it, that the NFC East is a two-horse race, that it's the two teams that met earlier, the Giants and Dallas, which again brings me back to the point of pretty great deal for the Giants to get that win on the road against who I feel is going to be their biggest you know, opponent, their, their biggest head-to-head problem. Okay, the first week of the NFL season is officially in the books. How did your fantasy football teams do this week? By the way, you should be checking out Vinny Iyer's Locked On Fantasy. Locked On Fantasy is good stuff from Vinny Iyer, too, and he, he will help you out with your team if it's in shambles. Uh, did you get into the fun over at FanDuel? No, it's not too late. Week two is only days away. So, if you had Keenan Allen, or Robert Griffin, or one of these guys that you were counting on, and he's, boom, he's out for a long stretch, that's kind of the beauty of this daily. I mean, the beauty of FanDuel is, you know, you bounce back next week. You're like, boy, I took a shot, but that doesn't mean you're KO'd. You know, you just go back to your corner, regroup, come back out the next round, and try it again. So, this this daily fantasy stuff through FanDuel is really growing on me, and, it, and obviously it's sweeping the nation. Something you need to check out. Um, it's fantasy football for the everyday fans. There's new contestants starting every week. There's no busted seasons, like I mentioned. You know, boy, I lost Keenan Allen. I got nobody left. Just pick a contest, choose your team, and watch your score real time, which is awesome too. It's just like in your regular, you know, head-to-head fantasy or daily or you know your your, your redraft fantasy that you can kind of watch everything as it's happening. New this year, and there's an upgrade experience to get even more contest variety. Try beginner contest for new players only, which is, again, up my up my alley. Settle a score with a friend in a head-to-head contest, so you can still do battles with your buddies and, you know, sit at the bar and talk smack on each other. Try a 50-50 contest with a top half win cash. Play in larger tournaments for even more excitement, and there's some of those are big money, which is awesome. Or you can play for a buck. You know, choices choices for all budgets. You don't have to be a big money player to be involved in this. And this week's Sunday Million Contest is paying out $2 million. $2 million. 200 k to, to first place. Talk about your experience. All this. It's, it's good stuff, man. I mean, that's the beauty of it is if... I love the fact that you can rebound or really play the matchups that... Man, I really like this player, but I like him for the other 15 weeks of the year, but I, I can't play him this week. So you, put, so you don't pick him that week. Or, man, this guy is really cheap on FanDuel right now. He's got a really good matchup. I'm going to throw him in there. So try FanDuel now and get up to $50 in free entries. New users who deposit will get five free entries on NFL 50-50 beginner contest. And that's valued up to 50 bucks. You'll get one free entry a week for five weeks. Value on free entries varies based on your deposited amount. Go to FanDuel.com, click the Join Now button, and use my promo code, L-O-N-F-L, as in Locked On NFL. I think you can remember that. L-O-N-F-L. That's FanDuel.com, promo code L-O-N-F-L. Voidware prohibited. Check it out. It's great stuff.
we're going to talk about Rams Niners. And like many people on Twitter and early in this game, I was one of them saying, oh my God, I can't believe we have to watch this game. This is horrible. This is a terrible contest between two of the worst teams in the league. Then it got worse. You know, it was it was very unwatchable after a while, or for really from the start. But it was a miserable game. I mean, it really was. But in the end, it was really just miserable for the Rams. You know, that the Niners played good football. You know, you, you can say, boy, the Rams are terrible, and Jeff Fisher should get fired, and I would think his seat is as hot as any, as any coach in the league right now. Plus, Goff is inactive. You know, you don't, we don't even get a chance to watch the first overall pick. The Rams are a miserable football team right now. You know, I've told you guys a few times I thought their once great defense is going to take a step back. I think that's true. Their offense is no better. I mean, it's Gurley and a bunch of nothing. And I feel for Gurley. I mean, I look at this guy and think, man, the first three or four years of his career might just be him ramming his head into a brick wall. And he's so talented. He's so good. But I just wonder if a lot of his prime touches, a lot of his prime energy is going to be wasted on terrible football teams, on terrible offenses. You know, Steven Jackson was one of those guys. You, you see that around the league. It, it kind of comes down to the theory of when you're building a team, add the stud running back last. And I'm not giving the Rams a hard time for drafting Todd Gurley. I mean, he's obviously a superstar. He's all they have. But, man, I mean, I feel for him. I wonder what these next couple years are going to entail for him. But his counterpart, Hyde, looked tremendous, you know, and I'm a huge believer in him. I mean, any guys that have been following me for a while know I'm, a, I'm very much in his corner. I think he's a better receiver than give it credit for. He's got really good feet, a uh, power player, but he's more than that. He's also explosive and agile. Um, and, and he played in a real similar offense at Ohio State to what Chip Kelly runs, and this fits him perfectly. So, um but, you know, you can you, you can look at this game and say, boy, the Rams were awfully miserable. And Case Keenum had 13 drives in this game. Ten punts, two interceptions, and a failed fourth down. I mean, that really sums up what we watched. But I'm starting to look at the Niners and say maybe they're not the worst. They're, maybe they're not with the Browns and the Rams as the worst teams in the league. You know, that maybe they are better than this. And one thing I did on a different podcast is... We were going through division by division and really breaking down teams heavily. So I pulled up their, their depth chart on our, ourlads.com, which if you're ever looking at depth charts, that's the place to go. And on the defensive side of the ball, you know, I know all these guys. and That's what I do for a living. But the more I was looking at it on paper, I was saying live, you know, on the air was, this defense isn't that bad. You know, contrary to popular belief, they have those two young future stud defensive ends from Oregon. I think both those guys are going to be really good players. They have some depth on the defensive line. They lost Ian Williams, a nose tackle, and that's a big blow, but, you know, they'll get him back next year. This defense isn't as bad as people think, and Navarro Bowman's back to being Navarro Bowman. This is his defense. You know, they just gave him, you know, a fair amount of money and keeping him around. I think, he, you know, it's very much his defense. Um... Their corners, uh, this Rashard Robinson played a fair amount last night, played well. Brock, I thought their corners would be a major, major liability. Uh, Ward, those guys played well. I really like their safeties. I've always liked their safeties. So, you know, and Lynch, the pass rusher, he's suspended. He's one of their better pass rushers. So this defense 
isn't terrible, and I think it's got a chance to be average. I mean, to be middle of the pack, which is pretty good. I mean, considering what the you know what Chip Kelly inherited, I think it's pretty decent. So, going along those lines, from a year ago, the Niners are much much improved on both lines of scrimmage, especially the offensive line. Joe Staley remains as a stud, and the rest of the group is filling out around him. They handled. Aaron Donald showed up here and there um, and played well. But, you know, from the most part, this defensive line lost the battle against the San Francisco O-line, which never would have happened a year ago. Um, San Francisco has some things going on, you know, and the Rams were obviously very frustrated, showed very little discipline, sloppy, disgusting game from them. And then Aaron Donald at the end pretty much loses his mind and grabs the dude by the head flips out and throws his helmet and went a little bonkers and maybe that was the most fun thing to see from a Rams perspective in this game nasty nasty game I mean I really am tempted to put them at 32 but the Browns are still in the league so I think they'll probably be 31 tomorrow but I'm not sure where to put the put the Niners I gotta do some thinking between now and when we talk tomorrow all right let's talk about two two games that mattered a little bit more from Sunday uh Patriots going to Arizona and getting a win. I mean, are you kidding me? I mean, are you kidding me? Great game, obviously. Um, could have went either way. I mean, I don't know that clearly the Patriots are the better team, but Belichick's ridiculous. I mean, he's just ridiculous. The, <laughs> I mean, I think there's something along the lines. Let me look at this real quick. They're they're 12-1 and in their last 13 season openers. You know, game one, week one, Belichick is 12-1 and in the last 13. What do you think he thinks about all summer? You know, when he's hanging out on his boat or, you know, doing whatever he's doing. He's thinking about the opponent. And this was a masterfully coached game. I mean, they obviously, they're, they're so well prepared. And obviously they didn't have Brady. That's a big deal. I mean, he's maybe the best quarterback ever, certainly in the conversation. They didn't have Gronk. They didn't have both their offensive tackles. They didn't have Ninkovich. They didn't have Dion Lewis. They had two rookies starting at guard. And, oh, by the way, they didn't have a first-round pick this year. So, other than that, you know, the, the Pats were fine. You know, no big deal. You know, all your respective teams like to sit, like to, not cry, but talk about it. And I get it in Pittsburgh, too. Like, Steelers don't have Ladarius Green and Le'Veon Bell suspended. I'm like, look what's going on in New England, dude. <laughs> they don't have Brady. They don't have Gronk. I mean, they're two of the top five, six, seven players on the planet. It's craziness. And... I thought Garoppolo exceeded my very low expectations, especially in the second half. He was cool, calm, played well on third downs. But overall, I think the general public liked his performance more than I did. I didn't think he did a lot of physically things that were super impressive. But this is huge for them. I mean, you look at this four-game stretch without Brady, and myself included. This was the game you said, okay, they're going to lose the opener. You know, they're in Arizona Sunday night. They're in big trouble. Now, <laughs> they might be 4-0. I mean, I can't believe they'll be any worse than 3-1 and when Brady returns. And look out. I mean, this team is loaded. Um, back to Belichick. Clearly what he tried to do in this game, and he's notorious or famous or whatever for taking away what you do best. And this Pat's defense, which is really good, by the way, they took away the deep ball, and Palmer got frustrated. You know, I mean, he, he didn't act patient. He didn't act like a veteran. 
the Patriots did everything they could to take away the deep ball, and that is huge. And I, I would imagine other teams are going to try to do that. You know, come up and tackle in front of you, play well in front of you, and they rush the passer well. And so uh, I think we have to keep an eye on this Cards O line. You know, where where are they? You know, they play a lot of man coverage. Chris Long, two sacks. He played great in this game, too. Is this another reclamation former first-round pick, former star project that Belichick brings in and gets a lot out of, you know, especially while Ninkovich is, is out and those guys? Could be. Certainly wouldn't shock me. Really good Pats defense. And they're led by Jamie Collins and Hightower. Their secondary is excellent, by the way, if people don't know. Um, but they're, those two linebackers really make this thing go. And if you don't know who they are, you need to look into Hightower and Jamie Collins. Great, great football players that are that <laughs> Belichick and company are getting a lot out of. Um, Brandon Williams worries me a lot for Arizona. And in this game, we saw Hogan torch him early in the game. And that was a big play. That was a, a punch to the jaw. I mean, that was a Tyson shot to the face. And I look at the the Cardinals and think, boy, this roster is really good, but they have this hole on defense and it's not Williams fault. I mean, he was a running back as of a couple years ago. He's a rookie corner. Rookie corners always struggle anyways, but it's a, a spot on the defense that you really can't fix that if you're playing against Brady or Wilson or AR or, you know, Newton or any of these guys, they're going to throw at Brandon Williams all the time. I mean, it wouldn't shock me at the end of the year. He's the most targeted cornerback in the NFL. Again, to really no fault his own. And I, I love their front office. I love Steve Kime and all these guys. But that might be the one, you know, bug in the ointment type of deal of, we thought we were okay at corner, but we really aren't. And teams are just going to pick on us. I mean, that could be enough to derail what could be a great season. A couple other guys. Calais Campbell really stood out. And, and I told, you know, we mentioned the Patriots offensive line was basically all backups. It was pretty much a second string line. And Calais Campbell was eating them up. Um, I thought overall, I mentioned Hogan. I thought that the receivers for the Patriots um, really, uh, really helped out Garoppolo too. Were good after the catch. Good, did a good job getting open often against Williams, as I mentioned. Did they ever throw at Patrick Peterson this game? I'd like to go look at the, the, the stats. I mean, how many targets did Patrick Peterson have? So if Williams leads the league in targets, Patrick Peterson might be the guy that never, ever gets thrown at, even if he's on number one receivers. But it's not like the Patriots had a true number one receiver. So th this is going to be probably the, the least action he sees. Uh, we saw Butler on Floyd a lot with two deep safeties, which goes back to what I was saying about Play physical, rush the passer, keep everything in front of you. Um, Palmer played okay. I mean, he was accurate, but he had no deep presence. I mean, I, I feel like, I think he played right into Belichick's hands. Um, and somewhat of a sentimental note, my man Larry Fitzgerald caught his 100th touchdown of, the, uh, of his career, of his amazing career. Uh, that over-the-head grab that, I mean, I saw it so often in practice at Pitt. And we, that was our staple play down by the goal line. He's done it the, the, at this level a hundred times. It's still a remarkable, remarkable catch. A remarkable player. An easy Hall of Famer. And, and one thing just to, you know, pump his tires even more. Not that he needs it from me, but, you know, some of his best years were the John Skelton years. I mean, go look at his quarterbacks for about a four-year stretch there. When he was actually at the height of his powers, 
you know, most refined as a as a receiver, still as explosive as ever. His numbers would be astronomical. And in the reality of things, I have a hard time coming up with very many wide receivers on the all-time list who are better than Larry, in my opinion. And, and I think Rice clearly is number one. I probably would take Randy Moss, too. You know, I, I can't imagine trying to guard him all day. I would take Calvin Johnson, three. And that goes back to who do you want on game day? Not necessarily what were their career stats, but if I'm a coroner, if I'm Darrell Revis, or if I'm Deion Sanders, I'd rather guard, Mar- guard Marvin Harrison than I would Calvin Johnson. Yeah. And I think Larry's four. I think T.O.'s in that conversation, too. Nobody wants to hear that. But Larry's career has been remarkable. Well, you guys all know that, but that was a, a milestone for him. There has been talk that he will retire after the year. I don't know. He's still playing great. But back to the, some of the X's and O's a little bit. You know, Arizona, we know they want to be vertical. We know the Patriots took that away. I didn't understand why they didn't turn to David Johnson more early in the game, especially with two deep safeties, fewer people in the box. And it feels like it was a little bit of stubbornness, you know, from Arians and Palmer that we're going to play our game, we're going to throw deep no matter what. You got a really good running back there, and he looks even better to me this year. He had a couple runs that were, whoa. And I didn't love him coming out of school. I thought he was kind of straight line-ish. Um, he's more laterally explosive than I thought and is getting better there. Um, uh, great game, you know. <laughs> uh, you know, the game comes down to the, 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 the last last uh, play of the game, the field goal attempt, a bad snap, not a great hold, and it's a missed field goal. And just to use an analogy, I, I bet there, and I'm not talking down to you, but I bet there's a couple of you out there that say, kicker's got to make it no matter what. You know, what do you mean it's a bad snap? The hold wasn't all that terrible. Think, how many of you guys golf? I bet a bunch. I don't. I hate the game. Um, anyways, but imagine if that golf ball wasn't always in the same spot when you start your swing. I mean, a kicker and a golfer have distinct similarities. And if that ball's always on the tee and you're so used to it, those guys are so precise with their snap, hold, put it down right here every time. And in that case, when he put it down, it wasn't on the same spot. I mean, maybe it was three inches higher or three inches you know, forward in the tee box, you know, closer to your left foot or whatever if you're a golfer. You know, that you think it would screw up your swing a little bit, that once you start coming through, the ball isn't exactly where you think it is? You know, it's the same thing. It really is. Um, meanwhile, I want to blow more t- blow more smoke up Belichick that if you don't know, as much as any coach in the league, along with Harbaugh in um, Baltimore, he absolutely stresses special teams. And it's worked for him very, very well over his career. They're always amongst the best in the league. But I, I love that this was one of the few games that I watched, and there may be others, you know, that, and that the new rules on kickoffs, instead of just blasting it in the end zone and saying, okay, you can have the ball to 25, Belichick, with a really good kicker, is pooching it and making the returner stick his head in the air with his chin up with 11 guys flying down the field at him, ready to crush him, make a decision what to do, set up his blocks on these really high kicks, and it paid off. You know, the the, the Cardinals ended up with very poor starting field position because of it. You know, and all the kickoffs, the Patriots had an advantage. It's a little thing, but there's a reason this guy is going to be on the Mount Rushmore of coaches, and that's one of them. And to discuss, last thing we're talking about today is Green Bay going to Jacksonville, getting a win. Jags hung in there. They really did. And I thought Bortles played well. 
Green Bay's a good team. And I remember I talked to you guys on Friday, and I said I was really concerned that late in the game that, you know, the Wisconsin boys would come down to this extreme heat and, and melt like Frosty the Snowman, and um, fatigue would be an issue. I don't know that it was, but I'm sure it factored in probably for both teams, you know. But they held on. A, a business-like win for Green Bay, a great win. I think they're going to be a very good team this year. And I hate the moral victory thing, and I've heard some people saying that, but Jacksonville exceeded expectations. Let's just say that. You know, they hung around till the end. Um, what are some of my notes on this one? Very good Packer offensive line, um, but my one, my biggest worry with Jacksonville right now and is the pass rush. You know, I mean, they're counting on young guys, Fowler, some draft picks. You know, Malik Jackson's an inside guy. And their their, their pass rush was really lacking in this game. And, and many experts over the, over the offseason thought that was the one wart on the defense. And that may come to be true, although they're not going against Aaron Rodgers in this offensive line every week. So uh, the jury's still out on that. But that's a concern. You know, the, maybe their, their pass rush is a year away. You know, one more a big offseason acquisition might be what they need to complete the defense. We'll see. Uh, Rodgers was, I mean, he put, did you see the throw he made to Devontae? I mean, come on. I mean, come on. He, he's my all-time favorite quarterback. I mean, I, I love the guy. And what he does is sick. And he put on a show. Um, what was a little odd, well, I guess it's not odd when you think more about it, was I didn't think him and Nelson had the chemistry, the feel, the timing that they did pre-injury. And that's not saying it won't come or Nelson's not the same. Um, but I didn't see the the A-B-Ben chemistry like that we saw last night. You know, and Nelson and Rodgers used to have that. I would imagine they'll get it back. First game, rust, all that nonsense. Um, mentioned Devontae Adams. Let's not give up on him yet. He's a talented young guy. Uh, his season last year was not quite as bad as you think. He had a stretch there, of, you know, a couple games where he had a few drops. Um, that whole uh, that whole offense to me was the uh, perfect storm of terrible things that happened. Devontae Adams still has a chance to be a major contributor here. Um, Fat Eddie, Fat Eddie Lacy ran really well. Uh, I thought he might struggle in the heat, but I thought he looked good. Uh, his numbers weren't awesome, but I really liked the way he ran. So very encouraging there. Allen Robinson, um, man, uh, the Green Bay defensive backs might get the, the gold star for this game. They played really, really well, uh, particularly the, fir the former first-round pick, Randall. Um, but they're loaded in that secondary. I've written several articles in the offseason about it. I think Ha Ha Clinton Dix is going to be the next star safety in this league. I like Rollins. Shields is really solid. But they targeted Allen Robinson often, and they nearly connected on quite a few. I mean, I don't think that Robinson was off or Bortles was off. It was just the Green Bay DBs were just a little better, you know. Um, to quote Mike Lang, you guys probably know who Mike Lang is, but he's the Pens announcer for Pittsburgh Penguins hockey announcer for a million, million years in, in the hero. I mean, he's a stud here. You know, someone comes down with a puck. A million-dollar shot, but the goalie had a million-one in his pocket. And that's what I kind of felt like Allen Robinson was with Bortles. You know, that they just they were close. They were close, and that could have been the difference in the game. I am a T.J. Yeldon fan, a huge T.J. Yeldon fan. But Chris Ivory missed this game, and he's still in the hospital, which is shocking. And they're just saying it's a medical situation. Who knows what that means? I'm not going to speculate. That doesn't sound good at all. 
Um, but I love Yeldon, and I didn't think he was very impressive in this game. Um, I thought the Jags lost at the line of scrimmage in the run game. And let's give the Packers some credit, too. Their defense is better than it probably is given credit for. Uh, a couple other notes, a few little ones here. If you don't know who Telvin Smith is, he's a run-and-hit linebacker for the Jaguars, and he's one of the absolute best in the league at it. If you don't know who he is, figure him out. He is going to be a star. He already is a star in my eyes. People just don't know who he is because he's a Jaguar. Uh, Telvin Smith's a great player that you don't know about. A guy that I love and I always talk up is Julius Thomas. He, he caught a touchdown here. He played really well. I think he's in for a gigantic season. But in typical Julius Thomas fashion, he injured an ankle. What else is new? And that, you know, is to be monitored. Who knows if he's going to play next week or if it's going to linger for a month or whatever. He's a basketball player turned football player. And, you know, they're different sports. Let's just put it that way on your body. And uh, wish him the best because I think he's going to have a very good year. And a key component for those guys. But uh injured once again at least as of one o'clock here on tuesday last thing last note is not really about the game but the packers locked up bakhtiari you know uh, a mid-round pick that they've turned into a high quality starter at left tackle uh he is now going to be a packer for the next four years so i'm not sure if all you guys realize this but going into the season this very good offensive line had Three of their starters scheduled to hit free agency this year. Bakhtiari was one. Obviously, he is not going anywhere. Josh Sitton was one of the others. They just unceremoniously, I'm not sure I've ever said that word, but I've read it many times, cut him, and now he's playing for the rival Bears. That still is a very strange move to me. Um, so now, you know, all of a sudden, the offensive line looks pretty well set for the future, and that's what the Packers do. They have a plan. They're smart. All right, everyone, good show. We will talk power rankings tomorrow. I've already told you who the two bottom feeders are. Going to be a, draw a big line after them. Those two are dreadful. All right, over and out.